Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you, we pray it blesses you, we pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. Fantastic, but hey, it is awesome to be in the house of God. Can you just make some noise for our incredible worship crew from audio, visual... Our platform team, they got here, um, and like any church, I don't care how long you've been around, Adrian and I have been in this, in this game a long time, and so whether it was our own church here, or, or the church that we got started in, or any other time we were serving in church, there's technical, technical difficulties, it'll happen, and uh, man, not only did they roll with it, made our praises loud, but the Holy Spirit was thick in this place, what an incredible moment of worship. Before we get started this morning... I just want to take a moment to highlight one of our incredible crew members here at church. We don't say volunteers. We do volunteer. We don't say volunteers because we're a crew. We serve together. We do life together. We pray together. We believe together. We cry together. We go through it all together. And I want to highlight this incredible woman who, she starts coming to church. She found us on the Instagram. She introduced me to actual good Christian hip-hop, which I didn't believe was a thing before I met them. And uh, I'm so incredibly grateful, but she jumped right in, and she's been killing it, serving in our booth. We've been having things where, like, randomly would need somebody to cover because of this role needed to be filled here or whatever it was. And she is always ready to jump in and do what we need her to do. So can you guys just make some noise for Nat one time? Come on. Nat, we love you. You're the absolute greatest. Check that cat. But yeah, this morning we are continuing our series into the wild. Has this been good for anybody so far? Yeah. Come on, if you're new with us this morning, uh, you can jump online to takeovergr.com. It's real simple, and there's a podcast, or you can download via any other platform. Get caught up. And uh, last week, one of our incredible people, pastors, Dave Vining, he brought the word. Come on. Dave, we love you. Uh, I was telling him, where's he at? He's over there. Dave, I love you. I was telling him earlier this week when we got together that my favorite thing about Dave is that he's not me. It's good. I love variety. I love diversity in preaching. I love the fact that Dave can start off with a scripture, tell 18 stories. You have no idea what they have to do with God. And then all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, I want to get saved. It's hilarious. I've been belly aching the whole time. And yep, that sounds good. Lead me to Jesus. And then Adrian looks at me funny and goes, Matt, you're the pastor. You're already saved. Hopefully, like, stop. Put your hand down. Um, but Dave, you're the man. And you absolutely killed it. And what a brilliant message. And come on, just make some noise for Dave. Come on. We're a church that gives honor where honor is due, and so uh, it's definitely due. But this morning, if you're taking notes, I'll leave the lame dad, you know, jokes. Uh, I always make a joke like, you'll get to heaven faster if you take notes or something. I mean, it's, it's not really a joke, it's true, but, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to say it today, okay? Slid that right in there. Tell him a message is this. I am in the wild. I am in the the wild, and we're going to be coming out of John 11, 17 through 27 this morning. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible if you don't have one. Who loves rhinos, by the way? How cool are rhinos? They don't get near enough love. You know if you see a rhino, you are out in the wild. That thing's coming for you. All right, here we go. John 11, 17 through 27. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a minute, say, I need a minute. Well, you're going to have to roll with me. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for, for four days. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming back into this world. We're going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to unpackage that. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning. Father God, we, we just ask in this moment you would continue the good work that you started already in this room in the middle of worship, God. Holy Spirit, we can just feel your presence so thick and tangible in this place, and we want more. We're hungry today, God. We didn't come here to play church or to punch our religious punch card. No, no, no. Today we came for an encounter with the living God. So whatever it is on the inside of us right now, we push it aside. Father God, we put you on your proper place on that throne, and we give you our complete and undivided attention. God, we just thank you so much for everything you're going to do, not only in this service, but the fruit that comes from it. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. Come on. I am in the wild. I really hope that this message uh, impacts you as, as much as it did me throughout the week. You see, here at Takeover Church, we don't preach a message that we ourselves aren't going through or that we haven't been through, or we haven't seen victory in, or we preach because we know that the victory is available to us, and so we're preaching to our own soul most of the time because we need that victory. So I hope that this impacts you the way that it impacted me. If you're not familiar with In the Wild series, maybe you're new with us. We've been going through it for a few weeks. We're going to be in the wild through Christmas. That's why it's called Christmas in the Wild. It's going to be awesome. And I know sometimes it's weird. I don't really like to do long long drawn out series like this but I really believed what the Holy Spirit was leading us to was this isn't just something that we can package into two weeks so that we can package into four weeks there is so much to unpack for the Christian life when it comes to our lives in the wild and maybe just to catch you up real quick and give you the cliff notes the wild is the world the wild is the area the city the neighborhood the workplace the family that you exist in and so for Christians, when we come alive, when we bow a knee, when we come to meet Jesus, we find ourselves living in the wild, but we're not called to be of the wild. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are, of, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Amen. That as Christians, we did not get rescued from Jesus to remain as we were in the world and a part of the world. But no, no, no. You and I have been called to be a part of the world, but not of the world. That for you and me, we no longer exist. We no longer have a nature of the world that we live in, but we have been rescued by Christ, and we have a new nature available to us that we now get to put on and live from. Amen? So when it comes to this area in the wild, what our life is supposed to look like here and now, it's supposed to be new. It's supposed to be different. You're supposed to stand out. There's something supposed to be so tangibly different about you when people meet you that they have to start asking questions. And I don't mean that you're weird. We don't believe in weird Christians, okay? If you're a weird Christian, you were weird beforehand. It has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. 
okay? We love you. You're welcome here. It's okay. But don't blame it on God, all right? <laughs> it ain't what it is. He sets you free. Come on. I just offended like six people. But it's okay because you already tithe. No, I'm kidding. Uh, joking. I'm joking. But we're called to be in the world but not of the world. We're called to exist in this world, but not have our nature be of this world. So when Jesus came and he rescued us and he put his body, his blood, his sovereignty all on the cross for you and I so that we may come to know him. There was no guarantee. He is just holding that eternal door open for us. And when we walk through that door, a new nature, a new life, a new mind, a new spirit, a new soul, a new heart is all made available to you. That's the good news of the gospel. Amen. And so when you're called and you wake up and you come to know Jesus for yourself as your Lord and Savior, when you bow to knee and he said, this is who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. And when he calls you into this life of following after Christ, how many of you know when you get out in the wild, when you get out in the thick of it, there are few things that will test your faith, that will test your belief that will test yourself, that will test the metal that is your soul, that will test who you are and what you believe in, quite like death in the wild. I don't know how long you've been following Jesus. I don't know what that journey has looked like. I don't know what your sanctification process has looked like. I know what it's looked like for me, and there have been many times, more times than I would care to talk about, more times than I wish had happened to me, where I have brushed up against the proverbial bad called death. And it's when you meet death. It's in those seasons where you're like, I'm not sure how to get past this. I'm not sure. This is the unexpected this is the unwanted. This is the scary. This is the filth. This is what I could never have asked for. I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Death has tried to come to my home, the unexpected death. And I'm here to tell you this morning that though there may be unexpected death, you have an unprecedented Savior. And that unexpected death, when it runs into the unprecedented Savior, it has to bow. Amen. It has to go. It has to die. Jesus is still greater no matter what the name is that you encountered out in the wild. The name of Jesus is still higher, still mightier, is still greater. And so I am in the wild. It's crazy because no one asks for death to visit their home. Nobody asks for death to, to come and just run rampant on your marriage. Nobody asks for death to come and just destroy the business, the hopes and the dreams, the things that you have been trying to achieve in this world. You see, this world, aka the wild as we put it, the world was designed in its inception inside God's amazing mind. It was here and it was designed to be a place of fulfillment. It was designed to be a place where people who were made in God's image could live out their God-given dreams, destinies, and callings in this place. But then some time ago, as we know, if we look at the story in Genesis, we'll see that sin and death entered this world and no longer is this world this beautiful, immaculate, perfect place underneath the perfect sovereignty of the Lord. No, instead, death has come. 
Death has had its toll. Sin has taken. It's, 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 it's how it wants to live here. It has done whatever it wants to do with anybody it chooses fit to do it with. And so no longer are humans just being amazing out here in the world, serving God, doing great exploits for him, and amassing amazing things that bring glory to God. No, instead, humans, most of them, are living lives further and further from God as the day and as the world turns and it goes on. They get further and further away. And so for most people in this world today, they're not even finding fulfillment. They're no longer shooting their shot at their dream what they know they were made to do. They were still created in the image of God. Just because they don't have Jesus doesn't mean that they don't know what they were made to do. They were still created in the image of God. And so many of the people in this world today, they're not trying to go after the dream. They're just trying to make it through another day. And this is something that I've noticed significantly begin to seep into the church. The good news church. I'm not talking about religious people getting together with their legalism, throwing people out, casting stones, worrying about the plank in somebody else's eye instead of the plank in theirs. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about people who are chasing after Jesus, who he is, what he says they can be with every single thing that they've got. And suddenly we see a church today in 2019 coming up on 2020. 2020 is perfect vision. I want to see a church in Grand Rapids come alive to perfect vision in 2020. Amen? Because the church has been living defeated. Our dreams have been broken. Our fulfillment hasn't been there. And the crazy thing is, we've been given a Savior who is the completion of us. Our complete, our completion doesn't come from the dream job or the dream girl or the dream boy. Our completion comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And so suddenly we find ourselves in a place in 2019 where the church is supposed to be the light in the darkness. It's supposed to be in the world on assignment, but not of the world. It's supposed to be living and looking a little bit different. And here we are. We are living from beat down to beat down, just trying to get through the week. Man, I'll be lucky if I make it to Sunday. I'll be lucky if my marriage makes it another two months. I'll be lucky if we can hold on with this debt that is just amassing. Man, I've had so much just sickness come to my home. I'm sick and tired of being sick and and tired. And suddenly, the fever that we had and the passion that we had to live this life out for Jesus, we realized there's a huge cost to following Jesus. Because when we're going through the thick of it, we're still called to follow Jesus. When we're out in uncharted territory that we never wanted to be, but somehow we found ourselves there, there's significant cost to following Jesus in that. Because it means you've got to remain hopeful. It means you've got to keep your faith up. It means that even if none go with you still, you will follow. It means that no matter what you're going through, you start psyching your own spirit up. David says in Psalms 23, I rehearse myself. I rehearse to my soul all the things I know about you, God. That you may find yourself out in the thick of it. Psalm 61, not 23, my bad. You gotta remind yourself, you gotta stir up your own spirits just to get through the thick of it. So there is nothing in this world that will test your call, that will test your faith, that will test what you believe and who you believe in, quite like death. 
So it's in this Bible story here that I think a lot of people in church today are probably quite familiar with. I think really in my entire ministry so far of what God's called me to do as a pastor, I think I've probably only preached on Lazarus one other time. This isn't a subject that I try to get into a whole lot. This isn't a, a Bible scripture that I try to preach every single week. But as I got through this and I started reading this portion of scripture this week, I realized, man, I could do like an 18-week series on every single verse in this entire story. <coughs> it was a cough, but it's all good. I appreciate it. And so here, we see Mary and Martha, and we see Lazarus, and these are people who are firmly involved in ministry. These are people who are doing ministry alongside Jesus. And I say it that way because you kind of got to let it be known in 2019 that uh, there's some ladies in the place with style and grace that are able to preach, that are able to heal, that are able to prophesy, that God has called into ministry. Because you see, Mary and Martha, they weren't doing Jesus' ministry. No, no, no. They were doing ministry alongside Jesus. And I think that's apparent to know. But as they're doing ministry, as they're going forth, as they're following the literal physical Jesus right now, we see Jesus in the story. He is off-site. He is off-campus. He is out doing amazing things called being a Christian and praying for people and believing to see great things happen, and then it happens. It's called the Christian life. That's what we should be doing. And he's out there, and all of a sudden, he gets word. They send word, and they tell him, Lazarus. One of your dear friends, one of the guys that you love. The only time in scripture you see somebody that Jesus loves, it says Jesus loved the world. Well, it says God loved the world so much that he gave Jesus, right? So there's one, the world, it's big. And then there's John, but John said that about himself, and I think he's just a little bit of a weird guy. <laughs> he's like, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Okay, John, we get it. You're important. And then there's Lazarus. You don't ever hear Peter get shouted out that Jesus loves him. Jesus is like, I'm sick of gluing ears back on for you. Please quit throwing your sword around and being dumb. But here's Lazarus, and they say, the one that you love. He's your homie. He's your guy. You've been through thick and thin with him. This is our brother, and he has become sick. And Jesus, in his majesty and his complete power and sovereignty, being both fully man and fully God, Jesus just stands there, puts his foot up on this rock, and he goes, listen to me, air. Healing, depart from me through the air. Touch down on Lazarus' forehead and heal him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet right now in my name. Amen. And then a letter is brought back that says, thanks for the quick text. He's good. He's back up on his feet. Living life, living the dream. All is good here. Keep doing your thing. Exactly how it went. No, it's not at all how it went. What ends up happening is Jesus decides in that moment that he's going to stay away for two more days. Jesus looks at Peter and whoever the other disciples are that's around him on mission at the moment. And he goes, I think I like it here. I think we're going to stay for two more days. And one of the disciples actually says, well, don't you think we should go back? That's your guy. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to stay. And then as the story unfolds a little bit more, we see that Jesus does decide to go back. Two days pass, and he goes, yo, I think it's time to go back to Judea. And they're like, no, that's not good because you're Jesus, and all those Jews want to kill you. 
But what brings Jesus back to the same place that he is betrayed, the same place that he is strung up on a cross, what brings him back to Bethany is his love for Lazarus. And it's a weird part of the story because as we get back, as we find out, here we go. And Mary, Mary decides to stay in the home. No, 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 Jesus is coming back. I want nothing to do with Jesus right now. My brother is dead. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to weep. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to be in my own little pity party here all by myself. Martha, if you want to see that man, you go see that man. I'm not interested. And the Bible says that Martha goes and she runs and she meets Jesus before he even makes it back to the house. And she says, Lord Jesus, if you had been here, if you had come the first time that I called, the first time that I pled, the first time that I cried, all of the tears, all of the prayers, all of the wasted time, if you had just come the first time that I asked, the first time that I plead, the first time that I demanded, if you would have just shown up, my brother would still be alive. What I want to say to you today is that Mary and Martha are all of us. We are not Jesus in this scenario. We are Mary and we are Martha and we are Lazarus. We are the three of them at different points in our lives, different points of following Jesus. We are all of them because I believe if we're honest in church today, we're an honest church, right? Yeah. We're okay with a little bit of honesty. Often in this life of following Jesus, when we experience death, it will test who you are and whose you believe that you are and what you know about them. Friends, if I could tell you today, if I could encourage you today, if I could challenge you today, it's an encouragement and it's a challenge. What you believe will determine how you behave. What you believe will determine how you behave. For Martha, she ran to Jesus. She cried, she pleaded, she prayed, she sent word, all of these things. And while she believed that if Jesus had been there when she called the first time, Lazarus would still be alive, she still had enough faith in who Jesus said that he was that he could at least comfort her in that moment if she ran towards him. So her behavior was one of action. Then he got Mary, loved Jesus, knew he was capable of miracle signs and wonders, believed he was who he said he was. But somewhere in between sending word to Jesus that he needed to return so that Lazarus could survive, so that Lazarus could be made well again. Somewhere in between there, her faith got a little bit rocky. She got a little bit shook. She got a little unsure of who he said he was and what she had already seen him do. And so she chose her behavior was inaction. And she chose to stay, not go and meet Jesus, not go and see what the Lord will do, not go and see if there's any comfort left. She just wanted to sit. She just wanted to stay. And she just wanted nothing to do with God. Friends, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you this morning. What you believe about Jesus will determine the experience you have with Jesus. What you believe about who God is will determine the experience that you will have with him. What you believe God says about sex will determine the experience that you have with sex. 
What you believe God says about your finances will determine the experience you have with him in your finances. What you believe God says about marriage will determine your experience that you have with him in your marriage. Come on, this is easy. Two plus two equals four, amen? Could have went for algebra, could have. Y equals MC squared plus B minus whatever. I don't even know. Two plus two, I'm an addition guy. But God calls us to multiply, Matt. You're a heretic. All right, calm down, okay? I don't multiply very well. I do a lot of adding on my fingers and my toes. Maybe. But I don't know that. Talk about what we believe about God this morning, not what we believe about math. What we believe about God will determine the experience that we have with him. And it's the same with death. What you believe will determine how you behave, how you respond. We are called to not be of this world, but we're called to react in a new nature from Christ. Before you were asleep, before you had no way of knowing anything better, you lived in, you died in, and you reacted of the world, in the world, from the world. But now that you are a Christian, now that you are a Jesus follower, you get to live in Die in and respond in your new nature as a Jesus follower. Amen? Is this helping anybody else out? I'm dying up here. You get a drink? Is that allowed? This is just water, right? Cheers. Mm. Mm. Talk amongst yourselves. Mm, We'll figure it out. I'm just kidding. And so Jesus... He hears Mary, or here's Martha, and she says, Jesus, Lord, if you had come, my brother would still be alive. And that's the funny thing. I think that's another thing that we do so often. We have a really good way of acknowledging Jesus' lordship, but not actually believing in Jesus' lordship. We say, your Lord But we say you're only Lord in the moment that I needed you in. Now that death has come, my brother is dead, I call you Lord, but right now I'm acknowledging that you are Lord, but I don't really believe that you are Lord. Because if you were Lord when he was still alive and had two days left to live, he's still Lord after death. Amen? I mean, come on, church. What are we interested in 2019? Are we interested in a God that is a, mo- that is a moment maker, or are we interested in a God that is a way maker? Amen? Amen? We sing it all the time. We love that song, right? You never stop working. Come on. You never stop. You never stop working. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I'm taking your job, Rusty. That is who you are. Come on. You are. We love it. We love to sing that song. It's a bop, as the kids say. It slaps, as the 12-year-olds say. 12-year-olds aren't in church today, but usually when they're here, they're like, yeah, that slaps. And I'm like, that sounds violent. What are you talking <laughs> That slaps. And I'm like, all right, calm down. Take my wallet. Eat all the bagels you want. It's free, bro. But we love that song, and we love to worship it. 
But for us, if, if we're going to be honest, we're more interested in a moment maker kind of God instead of a way maker kind of God. We plead and we cry and we profess that Jesus is king and he is Lord of lords, that he is healer and provider. And we want it in that moment how we see fit when we need it the most. God says, no, 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 no. You can have me when I want it, when I see fit, when I want to revive it, when I want to restore it, when I want to resurrect it. Come on, church. God doesn't move when we want it the most. He moves when he can get us to believe the most. Amen. Is this helping anybody else out this morning? We want a God that will bend to our wind, that will make the moment count, that will come through at our very point of need and do the most with it. But our God so often, does he show up in those moments? Absolutely. We don't dispute that. We see him heal people right in the middle of the moment. I'm saying there are times in our life like Lazarus. When we come upon death that we did not ask for, when we have extreme disappointment, when sickness comes to our home and our marriage is on the rocks, when we are just going through the thick of it, there are times where God is not looking to heal you, to provide for you, to show up in your situation when you think you need it the most. He's looking to show up and show off when he can get you to believe the most. Well, Matt backed that up with scripture. I'm glad you asked. If we go back a little bit in the story... Where we at, boys? Hey, you're skipping ahead. Oh, there we go. Sorry. John eleven fifteen. This is when Jesus is still with his boys. He's still out on mission. He's still out on mission. He had just gotten word. He says this, eleven fifteen. he says, because Peter and all these guys, they're like, yo, dude, like, we need to go. This is your boy. Come on, Lazarus. You like him more than you like me. We got to go heal him. Come on. And he goes like this. For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may <coughs> believe. And then Jesus says, <coughs> so let us go to him. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus also follows that up by saying, I am so glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Jesus is the I am in the wild. We are not the I am in the wild. Jesus is our I am in the wild. When you need resurrection, when you're experiencing death, when sickness and pain and all these things have come to your home and you're in desperate need of fresh life, it's not you that's going to make a way. It's not a moment maker that's going to make a way. It is the way maker that is going to make a way to life and resurrection. Come on, church. Help me preach it this morning. He says, I am glad that I am not there so that you may believe. Again, church, what you believe determines how you behave. Jesus wasn't looking to just show up and heal Lazarus in this moment to stop what he was doing over here and roll in in this moment and, and just make your moment for you. No, 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 no. Jesus wasn't interested in a moment maker kind of faith. He was interested in instilling in you a way maker kind of faith this morning, church. What's going to speak louder? What's going to build your faith the most? What's going to give you that faith for the long haul when Jesus shows up and it looks like certain death? Or when Jesus shows up and he resurrects what was dead in your life? Amen? What's going to build you more? What's going to build you more? So many of us, we've been in this season. We've been in this season and we have been sick for so long. We got people in here with back issues and knee issues and 
faith issues and all of these things. And there's actual physical and spiritual pain in our body and for a lot of us. We're out here and we're like, you know what, I'm four years in. I'm two years in. I'm not even going to acknowledge it. I've been sick for so long. That sickness, it's begun to define me. It's become part of my identity. Oh, that's just so-and-so. They just got a weak immune system. Oh, that's just so-and-so. They just have one leg that's shorter than the other. That's so-and-so. They just have this and they just have that. Oh, they've just been going through cancer and chemo radiation for this long. And, and suddenly, it's not little Christ, little Christian, that's at the end of our name. It's not Matt, son of God, that's at the end of my name. Suddenly, we have begun to make a marriage with the things in this life that have plagued us. And suddenly, it's Matt, it's the cancer patient. It's Matt, it's the one with, with proverbial back pain. It's Matt, it's the one who always struggles with doubt. It's Matt who always has depression. It's Matt who, you know what, he's just emotional. It's Matt, he's just this and he's just that. And suddenly these areas in our life that death has put its toll on us becomes a definition for our lives. And suddenly like Lazarus, it's not a place that we even have faith for God to touch anymore. We just say, you don't got to go there. The stone's in front of it and it's been dead for four years. It's been dead for four days. I've been sick for this long. You know what, Jesus, just, just get me through the week. I don't need you to heal me anymore. It's been too long. And we start living defeated. And we start living with our head down. And we start living like Mary where we don't even bother to go to Jesus. We know he's just going to give us another day of life, but we don't want him to do anything in that tomb of ours. For a lot of us, we get to a place where What's in that tomb and has been dead for so long is our marriage. You see, we want a God that we know can work a miracle in the moment when we're on the rocks. We don't want a God that says divorce papers aren't as final as the name of Jesus. We want a God that would show up and alleviate all of the pain, but God says, no, 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 I'm going to use this pain, and I'm going to use this season, and I'm going to instill greater faith in you if you're just willing to hold on and believe. If you believe you're going to behave well, what's going to come out of your behavior is going to be action faith, full of faith, ready to believe God again. But if your behavior is marred by your disbelief, the only action that's going to take place is inaction. And you will be stunted and you will stay at home. Because you're sitting there going, Jesus, you don't want to go to that, near that tomb. You don't want to open that door. Believe me, the marriage is done. It is final. My heart is broken. My memories are seeped. And just like Lazarus rotting corpse in that tomb, it is stinky in there. It is unsightly in there. You roll that away, I promise you what you're going to see of that marriage is nothing but death. It's done. It's over. Please leave it be, God. And God says, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and your life. Amen. For a lot of us, we find ourselves in the wild, we find ourselves struggling, whatever it is that God called us to. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but right now I just got to tell somebody, God is calling you young person who's in college or is about to go to college, that you are called to be a light of submission and sobriety on your campus. But no, 
that when you begin to walk in submission to the Spirit and sobriety on campus, when you begin to put God as Lord over your sobriety and over your campus life, what that looks like, your campus life goes from campus life to campus life ministry. And when God calls you and he brings you forth and he wants to give you a new dream and a new assignment, you can expect death to try and attack light. But it's when we do, it's when that happens, that what you believe absolutely matters. Who you believe in absolutely matters. Because it's going to directly affect how you behave. Friends, I want to encourage you again this morning. I don't know what it is that you're going through. Maybe you had a business. Maybe that business fell apart. Maybe your business partners bailed on you. I've been there. You go to start some great thing for God, and people just bailed on you, left you hanging high and dry. And you're saying, no, 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 leave that tomb door closed. I'm done. I'm not trying to start a business. I'm not trying to go in for myself anymore, God. This is done. That dream is dead. And God's saying that dream's not dead because I am the resurrection and the life. Don't go into business for yourself. Go into business for me. And that applies to every single area of our lives. Man, that marriage is dead for me. Don't go into that marriage for you. Go into that marriage for me. God, I'm dying. My body, it's falling apart, and it's been falling apart, and I've been praying to you to deliver me, and you haven't showed up when I demanded it. And God is saying to you, I am the resurrection and the life. You can go and live. Amen? And so this next portion of Scripture, here's what we see happen. Church, do you guys believe this this morning? Do you believe that he is your I am? Come on. He says this. John eleven forty through 44. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. That they might behave like you sent me. That they might respond in action and faith that you have sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out and his feet and his hands bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. God's plan for when death visits your life is to always unbind you and to let you go. God's plan for your life when death visits you is that you would recognize it for what it is, that it is simply a visit. I don't care how long it is. He is God and he is Lord after the fact, after the moment. Here he says this to Mary and he says, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. This morning, church, this is imperative for all of us to get. You will see the glory of God when you don't stop praying in that moment, but you pray until you see life. You will see the glory of God. The glory of God will be made evident in your situation and in your circumstances when you don't stop at dead, but you stop at resurrection. Amen? 
Come on, church. He is still the I am. If you go back and you read, see in Exodus when, when Moses comes up against the burning bush, and it's God. He says, who are you? God says, I am, I am. He has been I am. He was I am in your situation. And when resurrection and life come and are fulfilled in that moment, he is still I am in the wild. Amen, church? Amen. Worship team, you can begin to wake your way up here. Got 16 closes this morning. We've hit one. My mother-in-law looked at me like, son, I will take back your Christmas presents. And I was like, I am what I am. But in this moment, in this moment, this is where the most popular and shortest verse in all of the Bible comes from. And it says, Jesus wept. But why would he weep? He's the one that chose to stay two extra days and allowed Lazarus to die. He's the one that allowed Mary and Martha to experience this pain. He didn't cause the pain, but he allowed it. So what was it that caused him to weep? Because we like a God, because a lot of us, we sit back and we hear a message like this, and we get real jaded. Yeah, but he could have been there. I didn't have to go through this heartache. God, if he really loved me, he would have showed up when I asked him to, when I told him to, when I pled everything I had to him. He could have showed up. What took you so long, Jesus? You're Jesus, for God's sake. You could have been there. And for so many of us, we get jaded when we hear a message like this, like God has a plan for your pain. He didn't plan for your pain, but he has a plan for your pain. Somebody needs to get that tattoo when you leave here. He didn't cause your, he didn't plan for your pain, but he's got a plan for your pain. Amen? And so it's in this moment when hopefully electrical things up here work. But it's in this moment that we see Jesus' wept that his spirit was so deeply moved. And I think it's something that we need to understand this morning. That in the middle of interim, in the middle of what looks like unanswered prayers, in the middle of what looks like God was silent when the moment that you needed guidance, he is still broken over your situation. It brings him no joy to see you go through pain. He does not elate in it. He is not delighted in it. He does not revel in the fact that you are struggle streeting it right now. But he knows what your life is going to be. He knows that he is the resurrection and the life. And that when you need it the most, he is going to come through. Because it's not when you think you need it the most, but when he can get the most out of you. When he can develop. When he can strengthen when he can put you in that furnace and what is not of him can be casted out and brought to the top and he can throw it away and he can have the son and the daughter that he always knew you could be. You see, Mary, she says, Jesus, I know that he will rise again in resurrection in the last day. So for all those jaded folks, for the jaded of us, Let's say he could have shown up, and I know everything will be made right in heaven. 
I know that he'll wipe away every tear, that death will lose its thing in heaven. I know those things. But he could have done it then, and he could have done it now, and he did it. Jesus asked her, he says, we're not waiting for that resurrection day in heaven. He said, girl, I am the resurrection and the life. Even now, even still, God can give you what you ask. And he says, do you believe this? And take over church, I believe it's my charge this morning to ask us as a church, do you believe this? Do you believe this? God will make it available to you. He is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do, and he will do what he says he will do. But you have got to believe it. Much like God allows free will, he's going to allow unbelief. Because he's already made a way for you to believe. He's already made a way for you to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus already said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit may come. He has already made a way. You serve a way maker, God, not a moment maker, God. And so as we get ready to go back into this last song real quick, and I want to invite you to stand up right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is in your life that you've experienced death. And you know, it was funny all week. I've been wrestling with this because I wanted to name the message death in the wild. And then I was like, we're a good news kind of church. That is a really sour note to start off on. But the truth of the matter is there is death that we will experience in the wild. There are hardships that we will experience in the wild. There are moments of frustration and doubt that will come about. But what you believe about Jesus will determine your experience that you have with Jesus. And so when he says, did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe this? He's saying the same thing to you and me. You're out here, you're in the wild, and it's hard. You need to start dreaming again. Do you not believe that I'll bring it to pass? Man, the marriage is broken, is destroyed. There's no fixing it. Do you not believe that you will see the glory of God? I've done too much wrong. i got a rap sheet longer. I've been in and out of jail. I've been in and out of this. I've been in and out of that. I just feel like dying. I just feel like giving in to alcohol, and I've given to substance abuse. I want to give in to all of these things. And Jesus is saying to you today, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place right now. Right now, there's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. We're giving everybody a personal moment. Our Bible says that we're two or more gathered. There he is in the midst of them. Your Jesus, your resurrection, and your life. He is here in this room right now, ready to revive, ready to restore, and ready to resurrect whatever it is that is in your life. In the back, after this, while we're in the middle of the song, you'll find a, a young man with a 
with a beard and a denim jacket on. His name is Zach. He was up here for church news. And if you need physical healing, if you need prayer for that, if you want somebody to lay hands or hear you and believe what God can do in that moment, he's back there and he's ready to pray with you and believe for big things from our God with you because he is a young man who believes that God is the resurrection in the life. And so we believe that he will experience with you in that moment the resurrection and the life. And for anybody else in this place, we're going to go back into a song, whatever it is. But I'm going to ask that you would bow your head, that you would close your eyes, that you would take this moment. And you would begin to believe Jesus for things that you once called dead. For those areas that passed you by. For that relationship with your parents that have been dead for far too long. For that trust that's been broken. For the areas you in your life where you saw life fall apart and go through your loose, loose grip right before your eyes and there was nothing that you could do. For the relationships that got broken and more broken and more broken, whatever area that it is. We serve the God of reconciliation who is telling you today, no matter how death has tried to visit you, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it, church? Then, Father God, I just thank you all over this place right now, God, that you are I am. That you are I am. That you were, that you was, that you is, and you is to come. Jesus, we thank you, God. That death has lost its sting that it doesn't have the final word, that we don't serve a God of the moment, we serve the God of the way. And so right now we ask in this moment, we're gonna lift up our hands, we're gonna lift up our voices, we're gonna open ourselves up, God, and you know that tomb. You're more familiar with that tomb, with that broken dream, with that broken marriage, with that death, with that loss. You're more familiar with it than even we are, God. And we're saying right now, God, we are giving you free reign to revive and to resurrect and to move in us again. God, we want to see life and life to the full. In Jesus, by the name of faith-filled church said, amen. Amen.